Fear itself is sponsored by Oto, the leading CBD brand. CBD is one of the most exciting ingredients in beauty and wellness right now. Approved by the World Health Organization, CBD is a natural, safe extract derived from the cannabis plant. It is completely non-psychoactive and won't get you high. Instead, CBD connects the body and mind to create balance and has been shown to help regulate sleep and even reduce inflammation. Oto was created by Gemma Kaleo, who first started using CBD in California to help manage her own anxiety and sleep. When she returned to the UK, she found the CBD market to be crowded with ineffective products and confusing dose recommendations. She wanted to redefine CBD in the UK with sophisticated products that are enjoyable to use. So, Oto was born. All Oto products come with the Oto Strength Guarantee, delivering a daily dose of 40 to 60 milligrams of CBD to help you find your space. Visit otocbd.com for more information. My name is Iiro Seppanen and my greatest fear is not to live enough. Welcome to Fear Itself with me, Cressida Bonus. In this podcast, I'll be having conversations with people about their personal stories around fear. In my experience, fear can be motivational, but it can also really hold me back. And I'm curious to understand this dynamic a bit better. How does fear show up? How do people try to hide it? How can we harness it? And what can we learn from it? My guest this week is Eero Seppinen. Eero joined the circus when he was just 16 and became an internationally acclaimed illusionist before he was 20. He then traded it all in to become one of the world's most extreme base jumpers, jumping from buildings, cliffs, bridges and towers on six continents and breaking world records. After retiring from base jumping, Eero went on to work in television production, making award-winning documentaries such as Wingsuit Daredevil. I was really excited about this conversation, as I know Eero has lived a pretty fascinating and unusual life. I wanted to understand how Eero processes fear and how he manages the fear when doing such an extreme sport. I was curious to know if I could relate to this feeling in any way. The idea of jumping from these enormous heights is pretty alien to me. How does he find the courage to take such risks and how does he utilize his fear? Also, just a warning, there's quite a graphic description of an accident in this episode which might not be suitable for everyone. Eero, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me here. All the way, well, you now live in Cape Town, but you are born and raised in Finland. And that's right. So I just wanted to start by asking you, do you remember the first time that you, that you felt afraid? Uh, I don't remember the actual very first time, but I do remember when I look back at my life that I was a very scared little kid. Like everything that I couldn't see made me afraid. Like I was afraid of dark. I was afraid of swimming. After I saw the Jaws uh, movie, I was afraid to swim in our lakes in Finland because I thought I'm going to get eaten by sharks. And and I had a great imagination. And uh, and I think that kind of influence of uh, of my fears and and I was a very active kid. I was never the the craziest kid. Like I, I was I was never the guy who jumped from the highest platform. And uh, but but I was active. And and because I was so active, I got constantly injured. And 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 I think that sparked um, 
an interest in my mother to try to save me from uh, from hurting myself. So she, in some ways, I love her to bits, but I could also say that she's a bit overly protective. So uh, so there was a lot of fears that that her as a mother had for for her son, because fear can be contagious. So I'm, I'm I was quite young, and a lot of her fears uh, transferred to my to me, and uh, and and I noticed when I was smaller, like my my world kind of a shrank because because uh, I tried to avoid anything that was scary, and and um, and only. Until I got like grew older and I became uh, stronger and I realized like I was not a, a weak little boy anymore. That I systematically started to face my fears and that was the process how I how slowly got started to get over them and uh, and and kind of a broaden my horizon for life and and what what a human can do. Yeah, I think that's interesting because I think we we can kind of catch things from our parents yeah I think I think so and um, and yeah I, I, I took some strength to, to realize like you know I'm not my mother my world is different than, than, than from hers and uh, but through um, yeah through many experiences then then as you grow older then you form your own world and uh, and find the pa- safety parameters that uh, that that uh, work for yourself yeah so how did you go against your mum if you like how did you sort of uh, rebel well I well I, I kind of uh, like I said I was never the craziest kid doing but I was active but so I chose a safe uh, hobby so I became a magician so my mom was really happy that I was not now doing like uh, crazy things or skateboarding or, or or other things and I was concentrating on magic and then um, kind of I think I was always drawn into into excitement and um, into adrenaline and and I started to uh, imitate my greatest idol when I was a kid it was Harry Houdini. Mm-hmm. He was this legendary escape artist who was hanging upside down with straight jacket and burning robes and his tricks were very physical. So I think it was around like 1996 that I finally gathered enough courage and um, and I challenged myself to do one of his escapes, which was uh, just putting, um, like escaping from a straight jacket from burning ropes and hanging upside down and, on, on 60 meters. Wow. And... I remember like I systematically started to practice that like when I looked at that feat or or, or kind of a stunt um, as a whole, it was so intimidating because there were so many things that could go wrong. But then I was able to break it down in smaller pieces. Like first I was kind of hanging upside down at my at my office like a bat. So I was getting familiar with the, with the feeling of, of, of hanging upside down and how it feels when all the blood goes into my head. And then I learned how to get out of a straight jacket. And then, uh, then I kind of got m- more familiar with heights. And then piece by piece, I, I brought them together. And then, uh, then yeah, it wasn't as scary as it as it was because uh, a lot of the times that where fear breeds and, and bubbles and, and, and gathers strength is the unknown. And that scared me. I remember the day when I was supposed, it was this big festival in Finland. There were 40,000 people gathering to see it. And uh, and I was shaking so bad. My hands were shaking. My legs were shaking. And I, unless there were so many people, I would have walked away and 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 and, and chose not to do it. But I didn't want to let people down. And and then everything went well. I, I got out of the straitjacket. I didn't fell down. And the moment I landed, and I think that was a kind of a, my ultimate rite of passage. It was something that I was a boy, but after I did that, I became a man. Yeah. And uh, and I really enjoyed that feeling. It was something that even though I was so afraid. 
and and I was able to overcome and um, and and do what I set myself to do. It felt so good. And the moment my legs touched the ground, I had this natural high, and I was like, I want to have more of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then that slowly, step by step, led into the world of uh, extreme sports and base jumping and shark diving and wingsuit flying. But it didn't come naturally. Like I, I, I remember still, like when I was about in my early twenties, and I saw a picture of a base jumper. And I remember thinking to myself that that's absolutely a crazy person. Only a lunatic would jump off mm. a building and, and would deal with those odds. But then, look and behold, five years later, I noticed that I was standing in a, in a radio antenna in Florida about to leap into another unknown. And yeah, I, I, I constantly keep surprising myself, like how things that I, I consider too dangerous or, uh, and that made me too afraid, I somehow find the courage of doing yeah. them a little bit later. So how did you move from being a magician to a base jumper? Well, yeah, that's not a natural, like, I mean, it's quite a two totally different uh, different <laughs> areas of, um, of hobbies or professions, if, what, they, what they later became. So after I did my straight jacket escape, I started to do very like physical escapes. Like I, I was like a nerdy magician playing in, in with a deck of cards in front of a mirror for hours, but then all these uh, tricks became very physical and I had to change my, my body and I had to learn how to hold my breath so I could um, free myself from, from different type of chains and handcuffs underwater. And, um, and I was mainly like copying uh, Harry Houdini, but, but in some ways I wanted to carve my name in the history books and I wanted to do my unique magic tricks. And so I started to practice skydiving in order to perform a trick where my hands and legs would be tied together and I would be pushed out of an airplane. So then that would be the time I would have to free myself, open the parachute uh, and, um, and land safely. So that was the path. So I needed to learn how to skydive first before I could do. I already knew how to get out of the chains and the ropes mm. and stuff. So, But once I taste that feeling like the sensation of free falling and, and, um, and, and jumping from an airplane into that wind, then I was like, screw magic. Like I want to I wanna jump off things. And, yeah. uh, and then... That kind of a through skydiving and and through inspiration, I saw this uh, this cave. It's in the, in the rainforest of Mexico. It's like this 400 meters deep cave that uh, it's like the size of a football field at the bottom. So then I saw a video of these guys jumping in that cave, and I was like, my my jaw dropped on the ground, and I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna do that or try dying. And and then then I started to systematically practice base jumping and and getting familiar with this ultimate fear because a lot of times like our fears are not justified but when you deal with such a dangerous sport like you have a good reason to be afraid yeah well i mean statistically is the most dangerous and extreme sport in the world isn't it yes like i mean they um, they say that the average uh, cycle of a base jumper is about five years then a person either gets hurt or dies or encounters too many deaths and um, and injuries of friends that uh, that uh, but in that five years you can pack a lifetime of adventures <laughs> and experiences but does that not does that not scare you the the this idea that you might die and you've probably seen a lot of people die around you does that concern you it did but in some ways like okay this is going to be deep deep answer for that question but in some ways 
I was quite unhappy in my teens. Like, I mean, maybe it was this teenage angst that, that we all have. And uh, when I was butting head with my brother and he kept telling you, shit, you never become anything. And, and, and I was just very like sensitive, uh, sensitive young boy. And, and, and I, but I took it to myself and I had a bad self-esteem. And I, I kept, I remember thinking that, that once I become famous and once I earn a lot of money, I become happy. And, and when I became successful performer and I did all that, I realized that I still had like this hollow feeling inside of me and I couldn't find happiness of anything so for me to like go to base jumping was quite natural because if that was the best that life could offer me fine but but I, I don't I felt like I didn't have much to lose so if I base jump and lived I have I had done something special and, and and it was great but if I base jumped and died I felt that I've already seen what the so-called good life had to offer me mm. and and I suppose this comes to your fear of, of not living enough is it's ironic in a way because to do this extreme sport you are potentially you know allowing yourself not to live a full life because you could die at a really young age well that was the thing because I mean I, if going back to my childhood so I was I was sick quite often we lived in this house that had fungus so I, I reacted really strong with the, uh, uh, like physically and I had to be in isolation in hospital so in some ways like I had to think about death I remember the first time I was thinking death I was like six years old like other kids were like making sense Castles, and I, I was wondering, like, what's after death? Is it the dark space, or is there a god, or or what it is? So, so I was constantly troubled by the thought of like my life ending too soon. But I guess in some ways, like, I'm a control freak. So rather than letting my life end in a re- uh, like random coincidence, I took a control lift. So I made like self-proclaimed myself that that I'm gonna die when I'm 27. So the fear of not living enough kind of was the motivation because like even if my lifetime is short and my time on this planet is limited my options are not so in that sense that was the fire that I had under me all the time that I'm not going to have the same length of life as everyone else so mm-hmm. I just got to pack more in the short period that I'm I'm here and and that's what I did so I like I mean I went everywhere in the world like I was successful performer and and I paid my ins- uh, like uh, retirement fund already but then at 26, I realized I got one more year left, so I'm going to cash out my retirement plan and I'm going to spend it and live like a rock star. And if I die, I, 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 I live here with style. And then I didn't die and I spent all my <laughs> retirement money and kind of had to reinvent myself again. And, and that's how I became a producer. Yeah, yeah. So when you were, when you were base jumping, just, just going back a bit, what's the process? Do you get trained? Does someone teach you? Yeah, well, at the time, like, this was the late 90s. So, um, so base jumping was mainly an underground sport. And in my home country of Finland, it was something that was illegal. If you get caught of base jumping, they took away your skydiving license. But, you know, they had this totalitarianism, like they tried to ban it, but it never works. Like in, in, it, rather than, than, than making people not jump, it, it pushed the sport underground. And it was the same in many other countries. So it was very kind of a, like underground and hush sport. So it was difficult to get information. And my approach to the sport was what now is known as death camping, meaning that there's some like uh, quite of a newbie jumper who teaches another one. And, um, and then it was through a trial and error I was really lucky through my first jumps I didn't even know how to pack my parachute when I started to climb these uh, radio antennas in Florida and, and throw myself off from them so that's absolutely the wrong approach in that sport like now 
there are great courses, base jumping courses, and, and there's great instructors, and there's way more know-how available right now, both online and, and through these courses. So anyone who would consider approaching the sport should go through the right ways because, uh, you know, it is always the, it's going to be always the most dangerous sport no matter what. Mm. In, in other sports, like, you have to do a mistake and, and then you can get hurt. But in our sport... Even if you do everything right, you can still end up getting really hurt or, or die. So there is always that kind of a black death element that that is quite intimidating. And how do these mistakes happen? There's so many different ways. So before you become a base jumper, it's recommended that you have 200 skydives. So jumping out of an airplane. And base jumping is jumping with a parachute. It's like customized parachute to open in low altitude. And base is an acronym from building, antenna, span and earth. So those are generally the options. That, that you jump off. And, and whereas skydiving, you jump from an airplane, you have a certain amount of wind that you can use to correct your body position. But in base, there's the first few seconds, you don't really have enough momentum and speed, so you don't have that kind of air that you can use to correct your body position. So a quite common mistake is, is once you exit, you go head down or, or start to tumble, and you have if you're close to an object, you might hit it, and that's always going to be very serious. So there's that exit, the first few seconds, is very crucial in any sport and then there's always landing because I mean the reason why they recommend that you should have 200 skydives is that you can learn how to steer your parachute so if I jump from like four kilometers I can land on the dinner plate so you have to be that good because in base jumping there's all these uh, different dangers that you have to be aware of you might have a power line somewhere that you have to avoid that there might be trees and there might be moving cars when you jump in the city so another very crucial point is, is the landing and they said base jumping is not over until you've your legs touch the ground and, um, mm. and, and, and it's over so a lot of the mistakes also happen once you under the canopy and uh, and then you might have to go downwind so you're going really really fast and and whatever object is going to be on your way i mean before you jump i can't even imagine that that fear feeling it must be that to me is the scariest thing throwing yourself off a building and when you're about to do it is that do you just love that feeling well, everyone talks about when in relation to fear about the lizard brain. So it's kind of a, the, the, the oldest part of our brain that, that and all animals have, which kind of a, keeps us safe. And, and when, when that part of the brain detects danger, it creates fear. And, and oftentimes in life, like that, the fears that we encounter and, and kind of a, the part of the brain that it creates is those fears are never justified. So we spend a lot of time in our lives of worrying about the things that never happen. But in base jumping, <laughs> those fears are very justified. So you have a good reason to be afraid. I mean, I use fear to sharpen my instincts. So I, I want to have it at the, like at the exit point. I'm going to question my, like, I'm going to re-evaluate. Have I packed my parachute? Is my equipment right? Like, you don't want to have a gear fear when you're going in this situation. So I want to make sure that my gear is top-notch. It's being prepared the absolutely right way. And then there is just the, the skill of ignoring this this lizard brain that is going to tell you that you should stay home and not not push your boundaries and not not move out out of your comfort zone. So there is that kind of anticipation that it's not only that right before the for the jump, but that's all 
already starts like days before you're doing it because you know like in three days I'm going to jump off things and it starts creating like uh, butterflies in your belly and especially in the beginning of my career I kept thinking like just anticipating them the dangerous feet like days in advance and I also felt that that was a little bit of a lost energy in that sense because because you mm. you get just kept stressing yourself out for nothing so so the more you encounter this it's the dangerous situation the more I learned to handle my fears so so it was also a skill of just like concentrate like acknowledging that the fear sharpens my instinct but at some point I have to be able to just shut it down and and, and not let it overwhelm me because if it if you allow fear to overwhelm you you're gonna panic and and you're gonna die so have you let it overwhelm you well no not in that sense like I mean I've been shaking like I mean I, I I've been petrified I'm not only scared when I've been petrified before some of the chumps and and, and it, it's horrible thing because you know the consequences are very real but I've always said that there is this moment of no return like I think that's the time between the last inhale and the exhale like I mean there's kind of a, like one oh, and the magic that happens between that you have all these fears you have all these concerns and then you take the breath and then then that's the point of no returning you jump into this and unknown. that is just the best is that the best feeling in the world it, yeah it turns out to be the best feeling because then you are right there in the moment like before I jump off the mountain I'm thinking about the bills that I have to pay or the fights that I had with someone or or there's all these things that that you know well like that our brain constantly keep bothering us or, or taking uh, energy out of, out of our out of our life but when that moment when you jump into the unknown you truly there like I mean you nothing else matters in life and 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 they say like once your parachute open that's the moment when it's rehabilitation to reality because that kind of a like ultimate flow state like a human performance uh, at ultimate level like mm. that's what I strive and, and, and that's what I try to uh, gain or, or experience as much as I could in my my career yeah it seems like it, it it's the just as, as an outsider who doesn't know anything about face jumping, but the feeling of being completely in the present moment and this this fear of not living enough when you are in full flight, you have the feeling of, oh, I'm really, really living now. True. So, yeah, it, it, is, it, it is connecting with yourself and it's connecting with the nature and it, it's connecting the whole kind of a universe. For for me, it was not just that when base jumping was not an activity, it was more like a philosophy and religion in once because uh, the price that I could potentially pay was so strict. So it, it had to be that meaningful for me that, that I was able to risk everything to, to taste it again and again and again. Yeah, yeah. And what has been the, the most terrifying jump you've done well now everyone's seen on youtube these wingsuits which are kind of like people are a little bit like flying squirrels when mm. they jump off a mountain that they can climb a huge distance and, and you and, uh, do that don't you yes I, I i started i was one of the early pioneers in in year 2000 so not that many people had jumped off a mountains then with the wingsuit and, 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 and a base gear some had but we were among the first ones who ever did it so that was also the unknown like i mean there was a lot of pioneers who, who sacrificed their life in the pursuit of their dreams and and, and and we've we've learned from their mistakes but like what make, made it so scary was the fact that it was such a new thing and and you couldn't really like lean on uh, the expertise on other friends because no one really knew what they were doing yet so mm. so I think those early years of, of, of the sport were were the scariest or the most challenging because there were so many unknowns yeah so it's always the kind of a nature of the sport that you get these daredevils who are who are pushing the boundaries 
boundaries and, and wanting to earn the reputation and name from themselves. And, mm-hmm. and that's when it becomes quite scary. Yeah, I think pushing boundaries, that's what it feels like that you guys really are doing day to day when you're base jumping. I mean, what's the limit? Like, do you just keep going until, you know, I hate to say it, where some actually do die, but or where do you, where, when does it stop? Well, that is a good question, Ken, and I didn't know how to answer that because once you kind of, uh, once you're in it and you live it and you're doing it, it's like, you're driving a car and the more you do it like you don't really have time to look at the mirrors around you you're just concentrating on the feet itself so once you kind of live that life it's hard to, for you to evaluate like you know, am I taking unnecessary risks and, and a lot of these base jumpers you, you kept asking like um, do you think it's addictive and, and they're going to say no no I can shop, stop whenever I, I want but they never <laughs> do stuff unless mm. there is a serious injury or life changing situation so so for me I can only talk up I can represent the whole sport of base jump but I can for my can just figure out for my own mindset so so I, and and I didn't have that limit like I was I was gonna base jump until I die so, and so I I felt that what I was investing in and when I got out were perfectly in balance so so for me it was it became such an important like uh, yeah rite of passage I guess into into something happiness because because like yeah I was quite depressed when I was in my teens and and for me like when I started to base jump it helped me to realize the beauty in life because because it shows like how fragile our lives were mm-hmm. so like how much how easily things are lost and and when I started to base jump I was a bit self-destructive but but then through the sport I I kind of got a lot of self-confidence and that it, it uh, translated not only in the sport but but other aspects in life and why I continued to jump was, was a total different motivation because 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 when you live so close to death like it forced me to to wake up early and you know smell the flowers and and, and really appreciate the small things in life that I without living so close to death I, I took for granted mm. any day it could finish any day I went to jumping that could have been the last day mm. so but but yeah I, I think because a lot of the people are like like scientists are talking about these similarities of addictive personality when it comes to these sports and and then they look like similarities between like truck addiction and 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 and, and these mm-hmm. adrenaline addiction but but they totally ignore the fact like the positive outcomes that happens from these uh, being able to encounter these uh, these fears and 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 overcome them so even though I'm like crippled for my experiences and I got chronic pain and, and everything else I still feel that I got so much from the sport and mm-hmm. I, I choose to be grateful for that that's really interesting and do you feel like your fear from when you were a teenager and looking specifically at the fear of, of not living enough has has changed and you've processed it differently from now to then yeah yeah i when I, mean, I i felt like i mean i not living enough was because I, I made this self-crame prophecy of, of, of dying at, at the age 27, like all the rock stars from Kurt Cobain and, and so on. But, but now, I, you know, I lived, I lived, I'm 44 now. And in some ways, I think there's a saying like life teaches how, you, how to live. So in that sense, like I, I'm not, I don't have the same kind of urgency of, of, of like, I mean, I, I, I made it. I, I retired from the sport. So I, I think I, I'm not going to die at least. Hopefully, who knows? Like, I mean, that, that is the paradox in life that now I think that I, I made it and then I go to a bathroom and slip on a soap and, and mm. crack my head. So that can still happen. So, so you can't really take life for granted in any forms. And, and you can, yeah, the real tragedies in life are the ones that you can never even expect. So, so 
I don't have the same fire of, of packing as much as in as short period of time as possible. But however, that's been my lifestyle for the last 20 years. So, so I kind of, I'm, I'm a creature of my habits. So, so I still feel that, that I, uh, yeah, why leave it for tomorrow if you can do it now? Yeah. And you had quite a bad accident, didn't you? Can you tell us a bit about that and how that changed your perspective on life? Yeah, I had like, uh, I've had a few really, really bad accidents. Like uh, the first one, the serious accident that happened was in Arizona. I think it was just around the New Year's of... uh, 2002-2003 but it was the first jump of that trip I was in at this courthouse cliff in Arizona and um, the sun I was the last person on top of the mountain it was about uh, 270 meters uh, high which meant that you could take about five seconds free fall before you had to open four or five seconds before you had to open your parachute and I just remembered like I've been thinking about death almost every day in my life and I was wondering how I'm gonna die and in that jump, I realized it's going to happen right there and right now. Because when I jumped, I somehow lost uh, my orientation. Like, I didn't know how long I had been falling. It felt like I was actually going to, there was this ledge coming out of the mountain. and I thought I was going to hit it. So I opened my parachute. And usually what gives the parachute um, the, the lift that it carries you and you don't get hurt is that it moves forward a little bit. So mm-hmm. an ideal situation when you open your parachute, it flies away from the object where you just jump from. But on that occasion, I turned around in the opening and all I could see was this big gnarly wall that has like death written all over it. It had been a beautiful evening with like sunshine and birds singing. And from that moment into this world of death, I like, I mean, I knew that that's the moment I'm going to either die or my life changes like radically. And I just like instantly put my legs uh, in front of me. And, and, and I, I, I think it's probably similar. The impact that I hit the mountain was, would be like jumping from seven, eight meters on a solid cement and mm-hmm. ground. So, so the, uh, the bones came through my ankle and, uh, and I smacked against the mountain really hard. Oh my God. A lot of my friends have died in the same situation, but somehow I got lucky. I don't say it's skill. I say it's more of a luck that I was able to, after the first um, hit, luckily it didn't keep doing this pendulum effect. So I, mm-hmm. like I, I was able to turn it around. And then I was kind of evaluating myself. I could taste like blood in my mouth and I thought I had broken my hip. And then I just saw my like left ankle hanging by skin. And then I was like, oh, because I knew that I had to step on it. Like I was not on the ground yet. So, mm-hmm. so I knew that I had to like put all my weight on that bone that was, was sticking where my ankle was supposed to be. And, but to cut the long story short, like it took hours to get me to the hospital and, and lots of uh, reconstructive and cleaning operations. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm able to walk, but I, that, that one hit made it that I can never w- run again. And, uh, wow. and so I haven't run since 2003. But at that time, like, I'm not going to, like, I'm a fighter. Yes, I was self-destructive, but I don't want to die. Mm. So, so that kind of a boost, that reaction in me, I'm going to fight. Like, no matter how painful it is, I'm, 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 I do my best not to die. Yeah. And, and luckily I did because, I mean, I, I feel like I'm on borrowed time and I'm so grateful that, that I did leave beyond that moment and I was able to have these experiences of life and forming a family and having kids that, that was almost like this um, we're, we're, we're not going to happen. And so that, uh, that experience, it didn't make you want to stop at all? No, because I don't think I had got... I was that's the thing I was still going like my all my friends were from that that world and and I still I had some like 
places to jump. So, yeah. so that was the other destiny told me like, slow down. But I was like, oh, didn't hear you. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to recover. And, and, and it was only like months I couldn't put any weight on my legs. So I kept jumping from objects that I could land on the water. So I didn't have to have to land. And, and I was still living too hard of that life. And I felt like I hadn't got everything that I wanted out of it. And then I got my other injury when I was in Idaho. There were a few people jumping and, and somehow like I had a chip on my shoulder. I thought I had to be the bravest and I had to be the most hardcore and in the sport of base jumpers and among them, that's just bad attitude. And, and I paid for it quite dearly. So I wanted to show everyone how cool I am and how low I open my parachute and I just open it too low. And luckily there was water underneath. So I just realized that the parachute didn't have time to inflate and I just put myself like a candle position and smacked on the water and and they came to rescue me from the from, with the boat and then pulled me on the boat and I don't remember the whole chain of events but uh, but yeah then that was the other event like I was like yeah I was okay of dying with the sport but then like living with that much chronic pain all the time so I was not ready for that so then then base jumping started not to be started to be not fun anymore. So like, I mean, it's always like how much you put in and how much you get out. Yeah, but yeah. then it was like, okay, I put in a lot and the risk is always there. And if I'm not enjoying it, why am I doing this? Mm. And do you think um, extreme athletes process fear differently to the average person? I don't think so. Because I am like, I mean, when you stand on a, on a mountain and you're about to jump, like I am as afraid as you would be in that situation. Like I'm not a superhuman. Like I... I was a scared little kid and it's, it was a miracle that I ended up doing and like made a career out of what, what I did. But I think it just comes from handling the fear and the, and the more you spend in that kind of a zone, then, then you learn to deal with your fear. And I mean, the more more familiar you be- become with some activities, then it's not as scary and because, yeah, it's not the unknown known anymore. So I think there's definitely that. But I think it's like, it's it's never with the sport. It's it's not about not having fear. So, so everyone's going to be afraid but but you just have to figure out like what's your motivation like why are you willing to go through this fear and why are you willing to take these risks and and i think it comes to motivation so so a lot of these athletes like the motivation and the drive to do something spectacular and unique is is stronger than and 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 than and it empowers the fear mm. that we may feel it kind of it kind of feels almost primal in a way that people we all dream well i certainly do i have dreams about flying and and you guys actually do that you know you 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 act on that yeah I mean it comes like I mean I wish I wouldn't have I wish I could be a happier person just like petting a, like a dog or giving a hug for for some little kid but but my made my life so complicated like I had to you know travel around the world and climb a mountain and then throw myself off from it or go into the deepest waters and die with sharks so in to get that kind of a self-fulfillment that yeah. that, that other people get way easier so sometimes I'm so almost jealous of people that they can they can find the happiness in smaller things so so for, for me it was just the drive like I mean I I couldn't if I saw something like a famous like an Eiffel Tower or Petronas Towers like I couldn't stop thinking about it and and the only way that I could stop thinking about it was that I traveled there and jump off from it and then I, I could really? like free my thoughts about it so I think it's a lot of the jumpers it's the same way like you get so obsessed uh, mm. obsessed about doing something and, and you can't really set it aside until until you've done it so 
so. And now you have children, and and now you you don't you don't do it anymore, and you work in in production. And it's one of the reasons why you you gave up was because of your your family and the responsibility behind that. Yeah, like my that I've dealt with a lot of debts in my life, and my brother. That's also the uh, paradox of life, because I mean I've always been a risk taker and living in them in the in 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 the world of fear and 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 risk taking and, and and danger, but my brother was just uh, way calmer and, and safety con- uh, more conscious than, than I was and then like he, he had a great job he, had, he studied all his life and then he was diagnosed with bioduct cancer and, um, and they gave him 8 months and he lived 14, 14 months so that was a reminder like you know sometimes I question myself like have I done the right decisions by trying to live every day like it's your last and that was the reminder like yes like life is so unpredictable and, and, and when my brother passed away I always calculated that that he's gonna be the the one for my parents that are gonna produce grandkids and mm. uh, so I can I can live a selfish life and but when he passed away I realized that that I can't take those same risks anymore because I I lived I mean base jumping is a selfish sport hey so I I never had a family or like not well I did have a um, girlfriends at the time but it was always like in a situation that that I I didn't wanna have reasons that would stop me for jumping but I think it was just growing older getting injuries and, and, and having people to care for that then the, the price that I, I, I could potentially pay for the sport was not worth it anymore so it took a while for mm. me to actually become in terms with the, with the decision to to quit. Yeah, and would you would you want your kids to go down the same path as you? Oh, that's a good question. Like, I mean, that's the whole thing. I've been it's such a because my mom was all protective, so like I try not to repeat her, her kind of a mindset and telling my kids not to do something. So if if my son or if my daughter comes to me someday and say, "Hey, Dad, I want a base jump," I would say like, "Do anything else, please." Do. <laughs> like, if you like, there's so many things in life that, that you should probably rather do than, than base jumping. But if they they would really want to do it, then I would give them the best possible guidance. I would not try to prevent from them from, from living to their full capacity and, and full potential. So yeah, so I would allow them, but I would at least explain with the, with the I've been around the block for a few times, so I could tell like what are the downsides of it. And how would how would you teach them how to live a full life and um, not have the, the the fears that you have had? Whew, I don't know. Like that's that's uh, I can only talk for myself. Like I mean, what, like I'm not your ordinary person. So I mean, I made my life so difficult. Hopefully, my 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 kids don't have the same same chip on their shoulder of of, of taking this risk and and and. and going them in the world of danger so I mean I can't really teach them anything all I can do is be there for them and love them and um, and hope that uh, that uh, they don't re- uh, they make their own mistakes but hopefully their own mistakes will not be as as serious as, as mine were yeah uh, so now era that you're not base jumping and you work in uh, TV production what gives you that sense of living enough and that feeling of flow well, I'm, um, I, I, I still am an active person, so I, I have an adventure bike Africa twin, and I live in Africa, so I just uh, get on my bike and, and go in the desert, and uh, and um, and then it's a different type. Like I mean, the risks are smaller what what they were in uh, in uh, in base jumping, but but I don't look for the the kind of a, the natural high anymore or the adrenaline kicks. Like I get so much more fulfillment of hugging my little baby and or mm. or like doing stuff with my boys. So it's uh, I don't know. I guess I needed those uh, lessons of life to to appreciate what I have now. And without base jumping and without taking the risk, I I I could not have been as content as I am for my current life. Yeah. So you don't 
any more need that kick no and and because i'm so crippled too so i have to be realistic that if i if i if i go with this current body i'll i'll, I'll do the same physical risk that i did it's going to end up hurting me even bad so mm-hmm. and you grow older so that's another thing like i'm 44 now these risk taking is a young man's sport and especially young man because our fourth like our brain develops ways uh, slower than than and females so like i mean my risk taking have concentrated in my early 20s when when my brain was was still developing and and then the last part of the brain is which was evaluating risk taking and 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 they yeah, are that make that that's why a lot of the young men are taking risk because because we are still uh growing and morphing to be the the men that 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 we are so i don't have the same strive of of taking the similar risk that i used to and i'm quite happy about that yeah thank you ero and just we don't have long but i just want to go on to the final questions is your irrational fear when when you told me it was horses i did laugh so much because you are a guy that uh jumps off cliffs <laughs> and buildings and you are afraid of horses can you just quickly explain that yes i can see behind that like cute mask of horses there's like a dragon that wants to like bite you and step your like step on your toes and everything but 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 for fear of horses i think it comes from childhood like i mean i liked horses but then i just saw this i remember it as like this beast of like dragon that that went crazy in front of me and and it was so scary so it's not rational but but it's something that i just saw a, a big crazy horse when i was when i was a kid and i i've been riding horses since but i'm never comfortable with them like i i can see like their eyes they constantly thinking of ways to kill you <laughs> so crazy especially because you've swum with sharks it's yeah i would crazier. pick a tiger shark over a horse at yeah. any time to get awkward and what would be the 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 place that you would go to when you feel feel fear and that could be in your mind or a physical place or perhaps a place that you go to in your mind before you do a a big jump well i don't i don't have that kind of like a happy place that okay i'm but i just like basically try to try to do like some breathing exercises a little bit like a meditation type of thing is just like you know try to not to worry too much because because you know that too much worrying will will uh, destroy destroy you and uh, so i'll just kind of like for me it's just that moment of being here and now so mm-hmm. i don't just want to escape it like the reason why i do this events is easter i can explore everything that the life and the, and the planet has to offer so i don't i don't want to like kind of go in some mental castle and try to try to pluck it out like i i i do the opposite i i really want to be in that situation because when i'm in that situation i've already done my my whole homework on my practice and mm. everything like I'm not going to do it unless I know what I'm what not what I'm capable and I know that I can do it safely so usually when I go in the situation I just want to be there and then and just kind of appreciate carefully and and just mm-hmm. confront myself that that I know what I'm doing yeah and what's the song piece of music you would listen to Ooh, I mean I was a kid <laughs> I always listened like Carmina Burana like just okay. like when that <laughs> big orchestra comes in and I wanted to jump off a mountain just on that beat so <laughs> that makes sense Yeah that, that was sense. that was my song of choice for for these extreme ventures. And what would you do if you weren't afraid? If fear didn't exist what would you what would you do probably jump off way higher bigger bigger bases? Yeah well that's the thing like I mean I've always going to have a fear so it's not like they say like the courage is not 
about not having fear, it's doing something despite of it. So, I mean, I, I like having having fear in my life because it's, uh, yeah, it sharpens my skills and, and it brings me out of my comfort zone. Because if, mm. if I didn't have fear, then I would be just sitting and smoking bong and watching Netflix. But, uh, <laughs> but not, having having that fear in my life, it, it, it pushed me to do, uh, yeah, it pushes me out of my comfort zone and, 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 and test my boundaries. And in that sense, it, it helps me to expand my, my comfort zone and, and that that reflects all things in life. So I see fear as, as has been such a great ally for me of, of making me um, a more secure, a confident person. And, and it, it brought me a lot of life skills. So I wouldn't chase the fear of uh, feeling of fear for anything. Well, what a lovely answer. People can find you. Where can they, where can they find yes, you? Yes, on Instagram. Uh, my my uh, hashtag is uh, Iro. I-I-R-O Sepanen S-E-P-P-A-N-E-N Iro Sepanen so uh, so yeah I'll post some pictures over there and um, and yeah there's a lot of base jumping videos out there on YouTube and everywhere yeah. else so uh, I've actually seen some videos of you base jumping and it's pretty uh, pretty extreme <laughs> <laughs> and you've just written a book and it's out yeah, yeah I wrote uh, just an, uh, like that's I wrote my autobiography in Finnish so hopefully I can um, have it translated in English uh, maybe this year so that kind of uh, tells the, the, the life lessons from the edge and and uh, and, um, and then, but now, now the next book that I'm writing now is going to be the anatomy of risk, where I kind of study the physics of risk and the um, and the mental uh, psychology behind risk taking. And and I'm also kind of uh, trying to make the claim that I think our entire human evolution is tied to our capability of benefiting from risk or avoiding them in mm. general. So so mm. I think there's something very very interesting yeah. there. And. I'm going to tap more into that. Oh, Eero, thank you so much. This has been awesome. So interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Fear Itself. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be hugely appreciated if you could subscribe on your favourite podcast app and maybe share it with a friend who you think might like it. You can also find me on Instagram at Cressida Bonus. I'd like to give a special thanks to the producer and editor Hannah Varrell, James and Kazra at One Fine Play for their fantastic studio space and Malt Martin for his beautiful music. Tune in next week when I will be chatting to another great guest about all things fear. Thanks, guys, and see you next week.